Welcome to Life Karma. Taylor Swift has a really good voice on this song. She does. It's a very cool song. Y'all are going to really like this episode. It's a very relevant song. Emily listens to it all the time. What's that like? I'm so sick of running as fast as I can. Wondering if I'd get there quick or if I was a man. There it is. I'm so sick of them I feel like I feel like I'd get quicker to places if I was a woman sometimes. Oh, you would. Emily got pulled over tonight. Uh oh. <laughs> so you want to introduce yeah. our topic tonight? Yes. And our guest. Well, welcome. Yes. I'm Sam Bracken. I'm Brian Arnold, and we have with us Sarah Voss. All right. Sarah is, uh, let me give a little background. So her son plays with my son on a soccer team. And I meet her for the first time. I'm like, she is freaking intelligent. <laughs> like we start talking about books and literature and da, da, da. her mom hates me at the time. But at that point, like it's fantastic. We're talking about books. We're talking about good time. And I'm like, crap, she's smarter than I am. But I, that, you know how I love that though. Of course. Yes. And so, Sarah, tell us a little bit about you. What do you do? So, I am a professor at Weber State in the English department, and I specialize in 19th and 20th century African-American literature um, with a focus on mm -hmm. women, of course, and, and their voice and what it brings to the table. So, I just get to read books and talk about it and talk about how important writing is. Man, that's great. That's like my dream job. I just didn't pay enough. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> She's extremely underpaid. Imagine that. Imagine that as a teacher, right? And we needed somebody. And I thought, oh, Sarah would be perfect for this. So strong <laughs> to tell us what feminism is or feminist. And then we can talk about the Super Bowl. All right. Cool. <sighs> you okay with that, Sam? I am fascinated by the topics. I think this is the quietest I've ever seen Sam in a long time. He got super, uh, he's being, yeah, a little protective. I'm fascinated by the topic. Right, I am. So, so, Sarah, tell me what a feminist is, in your opinion, or if you want, however you want to do it. Okay, so I think it's for sure a word that has um, become culturally appropriated. And so I think it's uh, like a ugly word <laughs> for a lot of people. But really, to me, what feminism is, is just equality literally for everyone. So not just for women. It's not women taking over the world. It is equal opportunity, having equity in the workplace, um, you know, really in every aspect of life. So it, it's nothing that should ever count somebody out. Okay. It's an inclusionary term. I'm fascinated by the thing that it means equal for everyone. Because in my layman understanding is women aren't given the same opportunities. And I, I, I agree with that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But that it's almost that they need to be brought up. It's not a, um, that they're, that it's equality for everyone. Mm -hmm. That they need to be brought up to equal, mm -hmm. but that not everyone else, the focus isn't on everyone else. It's more focused on the women. Well, I mean, historically, of course, women have been discriminated against more. Yes. Um, you know, we're celebrating the, what, 100th anniversary of women getting the right to vote. Right. And, um, you know, that came far later than um, all men being able to have the right to vote. 
And so I think we're really playing catch up with women. And so maybe that's kind of our focus. But, you know, I think if you are a true feminist, then you're interested in equality um, and, and really equity, maybe not even equality, but everybody um, has the same opportunity. Um, I think that's the thing we miss out on a lot. Well, just, access to opportunity. I would agree in general. But this equity doesn't always mean equi- like equal. No. So, so what do you mean by that then? If, you, if, if equitable does not mean equal, tell me what you mean. So what I mean is there are for sure things that still separate us, right? As individuals, as men, as women. Um, and so it's kind of leveling that playing field, but recognizing that we're all kind of in different places. Um, so, I, so I think that that's important to recognize um, that equity allows for opportunities, um, but how we take them, how we develop them, whatever, is going to be a little bit different. So it yeah. can't always be exactly equal. Well, the first thing that came to my mind is we can't make babies. Right. Men can't. Yeah, there's definitely biological differences. Right. Although a right. woman has to have a man, technically, yeah. yes. to make a baby. Right, so, right, right. Or what men make. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I, guess. I grew up um, um, I grew up amongst very strong, powerful women that were the providers of my family. And uh, <clears throat> I saw them struggle two and three jobs to provide for our family. And um, I've always been attracted to powerful, bright women who, who hold their own and who um, present themselves as equal. When you come into my home, there's a painting that I commissioned I call Awake and Arise, and it's Kim and I dressed in this badass armor, arm and arm, you know, like side by side on the top of this mountain. And it's like, no, we're kicking each other. We're kicking the world's ass together side by side. So I think we sort of, we try to, we try our best to, um, I think in our home, um, we try to have um, equality um, in our, in our marriage, in our relationship. But, um, but there is bias. You know, I have bias, even though I try to be open to it. We all have bias. Um, and um, how do you see bias? You know, bias works both ways, you know. And the topic that has me fascinated is this transgender argument about um, biologically being born a man and then being able to identify as a woman and then compete against women. Like, I think that's an absolute load of crap. You're talking about mainly in sports, right? In sports. That's what I mean. I mean, in sports, because I just think it's just stupid. And, um, and there's a lawsuit, there's a class action lawsuit with, uh, some young ladies who are suing, they're, they're sick and tired of competing against men who identify as women. And this is no, this is no dish rag on people who, who identify what they identify with. That's, that's them. That's their thing. I accept them where they're at. Love everybody. Right. But, um, but there's we're, we're we're going we're doing these wackadoo things that make no sense whatsoever. It just makes no sense. How, what do, what do you think about stuff like that? Well, so I just barely had a student, well maybe a semester ago, and they were given the assignment to write a story about their life, but it had to deal with some aspect of injustice or discrimination or whatever. And um, she runs track for the women's team at Weber State, and she wrote a paper about competing against somebody who identifies as a woman. And that, you know, was in, uh, you know, collegiate sports. And um, it was really a different perspective than I have ever thought about. 
And I think, you know, what, what we're saying here is that equality would allow for a man and a woman to compete in the same area, but that's not really equity because what that does is it, there, there's physically, um, biologically, whatever, we've already said this, we're different. And so, I mean, competing against a man in the same category who can likely, um, you know, has more speed. Has more muscle. Well, here's, has the, more here's muscle the thing. Left. For me, that what, what real, I love your definition because let me tell you what would be equitable. Any man that identifies as a woman, she, that person, that, that, that person needs to compete with other men that identify as a woman. That would be equitable. And women that were born women that identify as a man, then they need to compete against that identity, right? And women who identify as women can compete against. So we have four categories, right? That would be equitable. Yeah. I don't know right? if that would be equal. Wouldn't that be equal? I mean, that, that would be. Well, I don't know if it would even be equal. I think that's actually impossible. Why? I, I, because now we're creating. You could have the. In my opinion, once you go start going into subcategories. Yeah. Then, then you open the Pandora's box to every subcategory you can ever get into. And I don't think that that's equitable because if we have, for example, the Olympics, right? right. And we start creating all these subcategories, then do we go to a subcategory of, um, I, I don't know, I identify as a woman, and there, but I'm a lesbian, so I need my own category. Yeah. I, I mean, I you, don't to know. me, it's just like Pandora's box. You start opening yeah. it. Then I just think that if I'm a, if I'm a, if I'm this young lady at Weber state who does track and I'm competing against someone that has been born a male that identifies as a woman, I think that's an absolute load of crap. And the NCAA should have like their head slapped. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Well, it's, the lawyers are screwing that one up. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I mean just, the lawyers are the ones that are suing and screwing all that. Up. Yeah. That's so my part opinion. of that is like the, you know, the pendulum swing when yeah. something has been so far in one direction for so long. And of course you're get, it's going to be way over here. Yeah. So we figure out how, and yeah. if we can get it right back. To the well, middle. the thing that's weird is it's even infecting the, um, I've been paying attention to this topic. Uh, it's like, even, like it. it's affecting doctors, the Hippocratic Oath and, and, and practice of medicine. So what happens is if a doctor now says you identify, if you're a male biologically and you identify as a woman, right? They have a protocol that has to treat you like a woman. There's a problem with that. You have different biology. And a woman is going to, like, the physiological difference is going to impede the care the doctor can give for the person because there's biology, biological differences. It's a load of crap. I'm like, but do they, do they have to, are they, are they serving them as a doctor, as a woman, or are they like just no, they, they the body? You know what I mean? Well, it's this this, this is body. a big controversy right now. So do they treat, do they have the protocol of treatment? Um if a man identifies as a woman, do they have the protocol of treatment for a woman? Or if a woman identifies as a man, is the protocol of treatment for a man? Like it's, it's it messes the whole, it 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 messes with the factual data around. If you're biologically a man, then you need to be assessed um, and diagnosed as a man well, because of biology. Go ahead, well, and I that. I think the the important point, especially you know, even with this idea of feminism is seeing people as individuals. Everybody has their own story. Everybody has their own set of, yeah. um, you know, experiences, Good. perspectives, whatever. True point. And so if we, you know, if, if a doctor is treating somebody, then just treat them as the individual. Right. You know, that, it doesn't that's exactly have to what I was be. Say. That's a good point. You just, you just look at the body. What's wrong with the body? Fix it. You don't have to say man, woman, transgender or anything. That, that would be my point. That would be my point, but it's creeping in 
it's but creeping into the diagnostic see, kind of processes the of that though. I don't yeah, even see either. the purpose because if, if I come in and no matter how I identify, I want the, I want the doctor to look at my body, fix my body. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just like, I don't, I, I guess I don't get it. Yeah. It's like I had, so I, I, um, run a conference at Weber state that was created by my dad 35 years ago. And it's a literature conference where we bring undergraduates from all over the United States to present work. Anyway, the other day we received an email um, on our registration page, which technically we don't run, but it asks you to list your gender. And this person sent an email and said, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit offended by this. And, you know, the first thing I thought is, why, why do we have to have gender on this mm -hmm. registration form anyway? Correct. It has no bearing whatsoever on your ability to write, on your ability, you know, to register for this conference. And, you know, so, so yeah, we're facing those things. So we just took off. You know, took it, it off matter. totally. Yeah, well, let me sense. ask you about that because that's interesting to me. Because if you take it off, though, aren't you trying? And I don't know what the purpose of the conference is, but aren't you trying to get an equal of men and women there? Or does that even matter at that? Or is there something that you know there's not as much access? Is there an issue for even having it on there? I guess not necessarily. Okay. I mean, yeah. we we at the, you know assess the submissions solely on. On merit, yeah, yeah, like it probably does nothing, nothing to do with it. Yeah, yeah. right on. I haven't had any issues. Yeah, because no. my thing's always been that way with even schooling. Like, I don't. I want Harvard to take the top twenty kids. I don't care if they're all black or all women or all white or all male or whatever. I just want them to take the top twenty students. I don't even care. But maybe that's a bad thing. I don't know. Well, well, well not all. It's, it's it's looking at this idea of access to opportunity okay like i think about zeke for instance yeah and that, the opportunities. he's great soccer player by the way right. so throw that in there but right he here. he's developed into a really good soccer player because of the opportunities that he's had and the access to people you know the game who can you know put him in the right situation um, and that doesn't always happen so you can be you know super talented like zeke but if you don't have access to that opportunity then, it, you know, it's just different. And so historically, women have not had the same kind Correct. of access to opportunity. People of color also have not had the same access to opportunity. Correct, yeah. And so, you know, when we think about this idea of leveling the playing field, you know, we're not at that point where we, where we can really take the top 20 because mm -hmm. we don't know what bias what the is background playing is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and so, but everybody should, you know, and that's part of that equity thing. You can tell I was scorned. I'm scorned still <laughs> from my college admissions. Yes, I am. By I being can. a white male. Well, Harvard yeah. lost yeah. out. Like, <laughs> no, well, thank you very much. Yeah, like, uh, but it's like I had the scores. I had everything. Like, why am I not, you know? But, but it, I mean, so I'm still scorned, man. But I, I, I will tell you this. I had better opportunities. I understand that as a white male with a dad, as an attorney growing up in the place I grew up. And that's just, I, I feel like I don't know how to fix that as a society. I do agree it needs to be fixed, but I don't have the answers on how to fix it. Yeah, I don't think it I have really strong it. opinions to this about victim and equality. <laughs> I listen past. to it. Yeah. yeah I mean, I listen to your, your podcast. And yeah, I, she's listened to our yeah. podcast. Yeah, I'm, um, I was born um, the product of a rape, unwanted, and uh, was uh, uh, exposed to horrific abuse as a child. Unspeakable terrible abuse, set on fire, used a human bar dartboard. I was homeless at 15. I had every massive problem you could have as a kid. I had it and I'm white. Yeah. And when you read my book, most people think I'm black and it mm. hadn't. And I'm sure my white skin gave me privilege. 
right? To a certain degree. To a certain degree, it gave me privilege. But what got me out of that hell was um, hard work and um, a vision and initiative and people reaching out and helping me. Um, I was helped by white people. I was helped by women. I was helped by black people. I was helped by a whole community of people that reached up, reached out, and reached across and helped me, this one kid. And it saved my life. It saved my trajectory. Uh, like it changed my trajectory, right? And I've created a, 10 years ago, I created a foundation in Georgia, a 501c3 nonprofit called My Orange Duffel Bag Initiative. And we serve mostly 95% minority, 30% LGBTQ, right? Mm -hmm. These are kids in foster care, kids that have absolute tr homeless kids, high poverty kids. And, and my passion is to help them find their, tr find their path. And I'm a conservative, large white male man. Like I'm a manly man, right? That's, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm sick. I don't want to have to apologize for that. Yeah. And, well, and I don't think you should have to apologize yeah. for that. But I do think that, um, you know, I don't know. I've done a, a ton of research into, you know, different practices historically in the United States and, um, you know, for sure, there's a whole bunch of issues that come also with the color of your skin bottom. Line. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and, and especially what I'm focusing my dissertation on, um, you know, really speaks to that idea that the bottom line, you know, there were people because of the color that just by virtue of the color of their skin did not have equal protection under the law, even though they were supposed to. Yeah, absolutely. No, there's right? no doubt and, that and that so, stuff happens. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think that's just one, you know, one thing that that feminism also identifies with. Right. Right. I like to say I've never connected this kind of prejudice kind of stuff about color and minority to feminine. Like what I like about this conversation is it's it's broad enough to talk about um, um, color, minority and feminism and and all these other kind of, like to me, that's sort of fascinating. Well, and I think to point out part a part of your small story there was you said the neighborhood kind of reached out people yeah. in society. And that goes back to my thing is like as a society, we have to fix it. Yeah. Because if Community. nobody ever reached out. Yeah, I'd be host. I'd be dead. Yeah, you'd be dead yeah, or you'd be in prison. Yeah, or insane. Yeah, yeah. Or, or all three. I mean, yeah, or yeah. Yeah. dead and insane dead and in prison. Insane and in prison. Yeah. Part of the root of the problem, of course, and this is, you know, as old as time, is the idea of profit. <laughs> and so in order to fix our communities, um, as long as the, you know, the dollar bill is the end all yeah. be all. Yeah. He ruined, he ruined me. He ruined me for life when he exposed me to like Robert Greene, all of his books, 40 laws of power, all that kind of mastery and all that kind of stuff. Cause like, yeah, people just do what they want to do. They do what benefits them. Yeah, in the you end, know, it's, in the it's end you're like, dude, it's what's, what's in it for me. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, and people are not going to, the profit, the profit, profit is going to, um, drive the behavior of people. Can Dory? I just say one thing about profit money for one second? <laughs> no, really? Just, just because this, this brings up my theory of Anne Rand a little Ooh, bit. I love Anne Rand. Look at you. And so here's my theory on her because I agree. She over, I think everyone looks at her and says, okay, money drives everything. And you don't tell me what to do with my money. But the other side of that, and I think the beauty of her that's never seen is I do get to do what I want with my money. And if I want to help somebody, if I want to build a hospital and help people or build this or do that, then I can without anyone telling me that I have to or how to do it. But you're a good dupe. Yeah, you're, you're, you're philanthropic. You're super philanthropic. You you're like super Mr. Abundant Man. Oh, by the way, you came over to my studio today with uh, gifts for my daughter because, you know. Well, it's her birthday. Well, I know, but 
I mean, you're my neighbor. You didn't, you didn't have to get my daughter gifts for her birthday. I have to, cause we're in the same neighborhood. No, cause what that does, it ruins me. It ruins me. <laughs> He's done that with my son and I find myself wearing my 10 year old son's shoes. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's done that with he does that with all of us. Sneakers. I'm like, yeah, they're my ten year olds. Well, he has a sickness around sneakers. And, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, tell well. I want to tell you a story that got me in trouble. Yeah, I like this. This is a story that got me in trouble. So we have a, this we have the tradition in our family to um uh, my, my brother in law Shane has a big TV and we watch the Super Bowl every year at his house and it's a big deal. We cook stuff and we have a blast and we watch the Super Bowl and um this year, we, you know, our family went up to Shane's house, watched the Super Bowl, and I noticed um, the commercials are always a fast. I have a marketing background; I'm very fascinated by that. Good marketing, good messaging, value proposition, all that. And um, and I noticed that the the, the 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 commercials of the Super Bowl, the commercials themselves, were like really cool girl power commercials, right? Um, Oil of Olay. I mean, like a, a, a Avon. Like was it, the, the NFL had the one NFL for the first had woman coach. Right. There was a first woman coach. There was some. Um, there was some um, beauty care products that were doing stuff, and I just thought this was really cool. It's like total girl power. It's girl power time. Like this is awesome. You know, and I was like, I was telling everybody in my family, "Go oh, girl power, girl power." You know, and they're like, "You're an idiot, right?" And I have a I have a teenage daughter, and I want her to feel like she can do any whatever the hell she wants in her life, and yeah. she controls her own destiny. And uh, then the halftime show happened, and then I'm like, "Oh, is this girl power or is this shaking your booty?" Shakira gets up there. She's playing the guitar, shaking Shakira, her Shakira, Shakira, Shakira. and then she's doing this kind of you know crazy stuff. And and then the more they get into this, and then J Lo is like, you know, she's an alien, as oh, you said. I was gonna say, do you think J Lo's an alien? 51, she's an alien, fifty-one years old, like that. She's beautiful, right? She's an alien. And then and then, and then these, the way. and I'm like, what's up? And I'm like, guys, do you see the paradox? I'm like, I'm talking to my whole entire family, like my wife's family. I'm like, what a paradox. This is this is shake your booty time, the objectification of women. And I go into this, you know, they're shaking their butt to this. And my 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 sister-in-law, Carrie, she looks at me and she's like, give me, gives me the cut the crap signal like this. And I'm like, whatever. I'm like, yeah, you see that? Or she's on the pole and she's doing the pole dancing. And then and then Kim's and Kim stands up and she goes, Carrie, that doesn't do anything to him. He will say what he wants to say to everybody. And he doesn't give a damn about what people think. And I'm like, to me, it was just hilarious. And then she gets up and she stomps up the, you know, goes to the kitchen. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. You were. I was in big trouble. Big and trouble. I got in big trouble for that. And I'm like, I'm just pointing out the paradox here. The girl power and then the, the objectification of women in the halftime show. Give me a damn break. Is that like, that like, but, that was fascinating but, to me. But I couldn't talk to anybody in my family because it was all the shame about she girls was, dancing and shaking their booties and i'm like whatever i'm like i don't get yeah, it my mom my mom made us turn it off really at halftime show my mom's like no nope, turn, turn that it off. off you have young boys in here you yeah know, turn that off and i'm like turn it off what a waste of talent well i'm just like why can't women be beautiful and powerful and is that really objectifying women i mean i would like to know from a woman is that really objectifying them and if so why are they still doing it when two powerful, rich women are on that stage that have followings and influence beyond 99% of men? And then they're doing that. And so to me, it was like, okay, can women be beautiful and powerful and sexually desirable? And is, but is that feminism? Is it not? What is that? Yeah. 
JLo's daughter, she starts singing and I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, she's unbelievable. And she was in a very modest, you know, age typical yeah. dress. And, and I'm like, what a talented young lady. I'm like, so part of me loved it. Part of me was like, okay, I'm being shamed by my sister-in-law and my but wife. Then you feel bad for liking it. Well, I didn't feel well, bad. My point is, is like, I think. Maybe I was supposed well, to feel well, bad. Well, well, my mom wanting us to turn it off, then I feel bad for what Right, right. You got shame. You introduced the shame into it, right? I'm yeah. like, I'm thinking so what do you think of all that? Yeah, I'm totally fascinated. What do you, what's your opinion of all that? Yeah, we're going to walk so, away from so our So this mind. is what I think. I think it's a really complicated issue. And I think um, I for sure live in this area of conflict all the time. Every day of my life. Um, because I'm a critical thinker, Right. And so, you know, I, I did, I read a lot after the Super Bowl. And what was interesting to me is that like nationally syndicated um, programs, uh, magazines, newspapers, whatever, they talked mostly about how empowering this was, that this was the first time that two Latino women had ever headlined the Super Bowl. Although somebody made the point that why did they have to double headline it, right? Everybody else gets, a, gets the headline, right? Um, but also that they, you know, were, uh, they brought in all these different areas of their culture. Um, the other thing is, you know, they, uh, when, when J-Lo's daughter sings, I don't know if you noticed, but in the background there were kids in cages, right? And um, that was a representation, of course, of what's happening with the separation of families at the border. So, so it actually was a pretty, I think, powerful statement. Powerful. Yeah. But the, 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 the place where we get it wrong, I think, is, um, so I have some friends on Facebook and I started to read their posts. And, you know, of course, these are conservative women, um, you know, active in, in their church, whatever. We live in a very conservative community. We do. Very active church, conservative <laughs> community. The thing that bothered me, though, was how judgmental and cruel these women were about what was happening. And so I think what you have is a very, it's very difficult to separate yourself morally, um, to, to recognize something culturally that's going on. Okay, so if this is, um, you know, Shakira's from Colombia, of course, Jennifer Lopez has roots to Puerto Rico. And so, you know, if you're from those places, you recognize this as something that is empowering. And, um, but, but we don't get that here. We don't understand the difference between moralism and, and culturalism. And so, you know. We can be very narrow here. Very yeah, narrow. Which in is our interesting view. because we're supposed to be yeah, we're met, really open. We're global. Right? That, you know, the, the, <laughs> that's so weird. We're supposed <laughs> to be like a global like, church community and we're like super don't narrow. The, don't point out the obvious. You know I mean, what I mean? <laughs> and I, I, it made me actually like the performance more because of what these women were saying. Like, it, it was so offensive to me that these women were saying, you know, well, I, I choreographed dances and, and that wasn't even, you know, anything good, you know, choreographically. And, and you know, I think about watching, uh, you know, the Tigerettes dance or the Lake or whoever ets, right? The Dallas the Cowboys, cheerleaders. cheerleaders, whatever. Um, Jazz girls. And, and, you know, like, I'm going, whoa, 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 that's pretty adult movement for a kid in high school. But it's also an art, right? And I, for sure, when I when I go to museums and I look at great art, I don't mind if people are nude. I don't, yeah, I mean, there are That's different, not pornography? 
Like a oh. nude statue is not a pornography? I'm going to say the woman's body is a very beautiful thing. Like if you go around my house, I have like some paintings and they have women's breasts in the paintings. You can see them if you look at them, but like it's hard to see. Yeah. And like people Tricky. like, sometimes people freak out when they come over here and I'm like, yes, mm. tough. Well, and again, it's, it's beautiful to me. It's art. It's art right? form, right? It's beautiful yeah. art, right? And so I think if we look at, at that, at the, at the production of the show, the value of, of, you know, the statements that they were making, um, I don't, I don't think it's quite as big of a paradox as we think it is. Um, you know, even with the commercials, the, the Olay commercial and, you know, these women going to space and, um, I kind of thought that some of the women <laughs> looked ridiculous in that, you know, Oh, what does this button do? It ejects us. I mean, like yeah. it wasn't well, even very serious about, good point. you know, the, good point. the space. And then I read something about, uh, you know, Taraji Henson is in it and, um, Somebody, I can't remember what they said, but basically that there's space for all women, but not at all giving a nod to the fact that Taraji Hansen played Catherine, is it Johnson? Mm -hmm. You guys remember in yep. um, the film Hidden Figures? And she just died yesterday. Yeah, yeah, 103 years old, she and, was. You know, and made major contributions. Yeah, she was huge. And so, so I think that like that got lost on people. You know, so, you know, know, you bring up an interesting point. Like, here's my opinion. Because men write history, men are the heroes. <laughs> like, women are left out of history all the damn time. And, and like, it's so ridiculous. Unless they substantially stand out. Like, right. Joan of Arc or... Yeah, like, they have to Cleopatra. be... Cleopatra. Cleopatra. She recognized for beauty. Mary, yeah, yeah, her beauty. But, like, she was her, a badass. She was a badass lady, well, Cleopatra. She was, she was a brilliant politician. she was totally brilliant right she was a brilliant politician i mean she got caesar wrapped around her figure she knew well, that mark antony i mean yeah, she, yeah, they she were was trying to create a super power so to speak yeah Not, caesar wasn't he yeah. was just thinking rome and here comes cleopatra's yeah. doing everything yeah white men have written history the victors write the history yeah yeah, right? yeah. And, and well most of it and, and i'm like okay so that has a huge bias in it because you're always the hero of your own story when you write when you write the history you tend to be the hero right Right, if I was writing yeah. my own book, I'd be. Yeah, I've written here. I've written three books. I'm working on my. Or I will, or, and I'm always well, the hero on my book. Yeah, I wouldn't use my name if I'm not the hero. I'm not going to use my name. Yeah, you should. Period. You should. Yeah, like, oh, you're not the hero. Why crap. even write the book if you're not the hero? Yeah, seriously. Exactly. Okay, quick question. What's your favorite book? Ooh. Oh my gosh, I think that's a really difficult. Mine. question. Okay. Mm. Give me the There's not one that floats. Three that floats to the top. Or well, anything? I mean, she, novel wise, she has sat with so many famous authors growing up. Like, really I am nice. so jealous. Oh, my gosh. Like, like name a like, few. Like, at their fireplace. Like, like Ray Bradbury. Wow. We had dinner at our house and told us stories. Oh, my gosh. Well into the night, you know, on our dining room table. Wow, that's very Honor. cool. It's messed up. That is very cool. <laughs> because I want that. Yeah. Well, Brian just needs to come. You need to March hang out, man. buddy. Oh, yeah, man. I know. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I love stories about... Uh, justice so um or the lack of justice so frankenstein is is mm. likely my favorite novel mm -hmm. um my wife claims that i'm frankenstein occasionally you she are. says You're i look like frankenstein she calls me well that and the hulk i'm the incredible <laughs> hulk because i get you, i lose have my you temper. read frankenstein 
I have not. You need to. I need to read Frankenstein. It's amazing. That I feel embarrassed that I haven't read Frankenstein. Well, I, I, I kind of yeah. knew you wouldn't, so I just wanted to kind of. I'm, I'm a nonfiction. I'm a nonfiction self help reader. Like any kind of self help book you've ever heard of, I've actually read it. But and see, I don't read those books. Yeah. which probably. That's good though because it's obviously yeah. why I've read why some novel the, the, the most recent the most recent autobiographical, autobiographical book called Educated. Mm, it's a fascinating book. Oof. I almost couldn't get through it. Yeah. It was brutal because it, sorry, I was a little loud, but it <laughs> um it reminded me of my childhood. So weird. Triggered. It's so weird. Triggered. Triggered the living crap out of me. Yeah. But it was so well written, so brilliantly. I just loved it. I thought it was a very good. I book. actually have not read it because I had read, um, I was reading this book called The Glass Castle. Oh, yeah, I I've met, I've met Jeanette Wall. You know, when I was writing my um, Orange Duffel Bag book, um, I met Jeanette Wall, a friend of mine, uh, Kathy Patrick. Um, she started um, the world's largest um, book reading club called the Pulpwood Queens. Wait, it's not Oprah's book club? No. I hate Oprah. <laughs> No, I knew that I was coming. No, this is the Pulpwood Queens out of Jefferson, Texas, and Kathy, um, Kathy loved my orange duffel bag book, right? Mm -hmm. And she invited me to be a speaker at the, one weekend in February. They they have like two thousand women converge on Jefferson, Texas, and and they have that's where I met Pat Conroy, I met Jeanette Wall, I mean like on and on and on. I met all these great these authors, and and I've been to this three or four times. Whenever I do a book, I. I go do this and Pulpwood Queens are awesome. I love them with all my heart. Wow. But Jeanette Wall, right before I was publishing Orange Duffel, um, her story is so very familiar to mine in such a weird way. Um, she she was very gracious, very kind, and she really helped us, gave us feedback on Orange Duffel, Echo Garrett, my co-author and I. And it's just she was just a wonderful, delightful person. And uh, I just loved the loved the book, loved her. It was I just really cool. I couldn't cool. take any more of it. So I, I could not read it. You can only you can only read it in bits. It's really hardcore. It's really heavy. Well, I haven't read it. Does the, that make you feel better? I haven't read it. You should you should read it. Well, well I'm just telling it you. starts out with a scene of this woman going through the trash in New York, and it's like her mother. It's like the weirdest thing. You're like homeless. She yeah, yeah. It's on. like weird. It reminds me of my like dumpster stew days when I was a kid and everything. It's weird, but um, anyway, fascinating book. Yeah. Movie was pretty good. I thought it was better than I thought. Woody Harrelson did a really good job. I didn't see it. Yeah, movie's pretty good too. The more the more you talk, Sam, the more I learn about you, the more privileged. Oh, I'm I so feel. privileged. Are you kidding? I, I feel. I like the to more say privileged. I feel. Oh, I like to say I'm blessed. No, I'm, I'm blessed. I feel very, you know what? You know what? You know a new slam I've just heard. Here's a new slam. Okay, this is a new slam on social media. When you want to say like, you know, the, the Italians they like get out of here. You know, get out of here. So here's the new slam. Go to bed. Go to bed. I thought like, boomer. I thought boomer. no. It's like go to bed. So like when you're really mad at somebody and you want to get out of here, you're like, shut it down. Shut it down. Go to bed. Go to bed. I'll go to bed all the time. Yeah, go to bed. So I, like, I call my kids. Yeah, I call my kids. Like, hey, go to bed. Get your ass out of here. Go to bed. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. That's like, tell me I, to go to bed. I'm like Kim. Kim, we, Kim and I get an argument. I'm like, hey, honey, you need to go to bed. Hey. I wish my wife was like, go play Xbox. Let's make that yeah. a new thing. Go read a book. Yeah. <laughs> Go read. read some books like a Nacho Libre, you know, read some books. Um, just get out of my face. Yeah. Anyway, that's but funny. Emily cooked dinner tonight. Just wanted to let oh, you know. Good, like, good deal. She never listens to this, so I'm fine. Yeah. It's like the first time in like three months. Emily doesn't listen to your podcast? No, heck no. Okay, so what can we do? We're, we're trying to find, because we love everyone, and uh, we're trying to do it. Do we though? Do we? Okay. No, we, we don't. We live only cool people. <laughs> that, that's Brian's. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, we uh, like Brian. You want? Question. Yeah, Brian. And I, do we? Yeah, do Brian, no. <laughs> Brian's like, but Brian doesn't believe in unconditional love. Do, do, quick, I, yes I or no? I don't believe that. You, you kind of don't believe what? That you don't believe in. I don't. But do you? Yes. Yeah, she's a mother. So Jesus. Hello. Jesus is the only one. That no, has but mothers love. have unconditional love for their children. No, they don't. Yes, we, they do, man. This. No, they don't. Anyways. It's not even freaking possible. Okay, whatever. I mean, I strive to be like Jesus, so whatever. Brian. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, it's good. I mean, I'm just yeah. kidding. He had that whole love thing down. Your unconditional love. <laughs> no, he has a total. Sam's unconditional love. I will question you guys, that. Long. That is the answer, right? Not to get all like cheesy, no? but have you seen Wonder Woman? Oh, I love Wonder oh, Woman. It's great. The, the love is the only thing that can save the world. Love's and the I only know thing. That, that sounds love. cheesy, but. Well, I, I mean, think love no, is the greatest no. power in the universe. It's the greatest power in the universe. It breaks down walls, barriers, open hearts. It heals hearts. It is the it is the bomb. And okay. go to bed if oh you don't believe it. Gosh, go like, to bed. Come on, like love. Love does not exist in but a it way that it calls all the issues. Kind of love. Well, no, no I mean, I'm not talking like, romantic love. I think. It's brotherly love, man. It's loving of humanity. Your kind. No, I your care about other human humanity. Beings. I care about humanity. You see too much of the horrible stuff. I see the horrible, but yeah, I, every day. I care about humanity in the sense of my core. I don't believe if I'm not trying to lift humanity up, then I'm not going to create a place for my children that's going to be better. Right. And so if I'm not doing that, then I'm hurting that. And there's too much individualism, in my opinion, in the world today that's not lifting up society as a whole. And we could talk about that forever, but I'm just saying like- yeah, The Democratic debate's on tonight. And you can listen to that and find out all about- I'd much rather be here. Yeah, are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. Yeah, like, I mean, that's I'm like, Joe Biden, Joe Biden looked like he was gonna kill somebody. His veins are popping out of his neck. I'm like, I'm I'm like People Joe's. are really interested in getting a, a candidate who possibly could be the president. Um, why are we doing this? Why are we fighting? Why are we- attacking everybody's yeah. it's um, just character yeah like if we really have that in mind to change to be you know whatever why are we doing they're this? not unified who's your favorite democrat i'm at right now mine's booty judge is that booty judge? yeah booty judge i like him Pete. i don't know Pete? elizabeth um elizabeth warren she got pretty nasty last time in the bank she was I'm like pretty edgy you, but i like i, I like the booty judge. i've listened to and studied yeah of course and so I don't know, but I listened to he he went on Fox News. Brilliant dude. Like, yeah, he's definitely he, smart. He's he, he's seen a Harvard or Yale guy. Yeah, like he's brilliant. Really yeah, they all are. Yeah, they all, everybody's but brilliant. What, you can't what, get that. But what I thought on. was interesting is on Fox News, the first Democrat guy I've heard in a long time to say, "Yeah, I, I understand my position's different, and I understand where they're coming from. Here's what I believe." Yeah, yeah. At most of the time, it's like. Idiot, he's idiot, not he's idiot, not villainizing idiot. everybody yet. no no yeah so let's let's get back to this feminism topic <laughs> and let's let's we need a t-shirt that that a proud feminist would wear oh a life karma t-shirt or hat sounds like it's gonna be something about equality yeah so what would be what would, what, what's the spitball like what, what can we do let's throw out an idea i mean i, I write like really long papers <laughs> i'm not good at punchlines oh. you know? Yeah, uh, just, I, I'd love to. I just put feel the power care on it. Sure, that's feel the power. Like, you feel the power of feminism. Feel the power of culture and equalism. Equalism, uh -huh. mm. or or equal. Equalize the disease. Is there a word for equitable that's more? I don't know. Yeah, t-shirt worthy. I want to play with some synonyms. Mm. Awareness. Wow. No awareness, because you still got to do something. Where being aware is nothing. To me, mm. it's nothing. It's action, right? I mean, 
Yeah, yeah. there's got to be some action behind it. Cause I can be aware. I can be aware that someone's homeless. But uh, it doesn't matter if I don't act do with the quality. Act this idea of acting with a quality. Yeah, I mean, action. we are we are major hypocrites in oh, yes, so many are. ways. You know? Yes, we are. And it's mm. you know what you said about Pete. Who to judge? You know, I don't know that perspective, but this is one I know. That is being inclusive. That, yes. is, that is recognizing. Oh, that's what we do. We, we, we do a shirt on inclusivity, yes. like inclusivity. Like, you know, and really, what does that mean? My husband right. keeps calling me, Zach, you know, I'm on the iPod Gosh, the Zach. podcast. Come on, Zach. Hello. We need to have Zach on the. No, but this idea of doing a shirt on equality, very cool idea. Yeah. It's got to be, I don't know. But like it shouldn't be like Rosie the Riveter. Correct. You know what I mean? Like it's got to be, we've got to like shift our paradigm in terms of of what it means to be a feminist, what it means to be somebody who strives to, you know, lift people around instead of tearing everybody down. Everybody's got something they're dealing with, right? Yeah, they do. We don't allow people. um, If there's a word like um, for societal, like almost like you're up for, you know, the society. You know what I mean? Like. I'm a societist. Like I want to raise society. Yeah, equality in society. I want to raise society higher, like a societist. Is that even a word? Society. Society. She's the English like person. a societist. Society. The well, study of society. Word, you know. <laughs> She's like, that's not a word, Brian. No, Brian, it's not a word, Brian. That's why you didn't get into Harvard, you idiot. Hello, you you majored in English. <laughs> Aren't we you an English major? We were staying, exactly. Yes. English major. Whatever. Uh, Come on. Boom. Bam. Wildcat, you wildcat, you. Wildcat. Crazy wildcat. Wildcat. You know, I will say this. Can I just say this before we then get a little more serious there? Is we were staying out of all the campuses in Utah. I'm telling you, you have the most beautiful women. Oh, I'm I just going to put that out there. There you There's go. Just, right, right. I'm not kidding. It's I my son Ben's wife, Tani, Tanisha Langston. She played uh, volleyball at Weber State. And she is gorgeous. She's a beautiful woman. The most beautiful women in Utah go to Weber State. I'm just telling you, that's just my there opinion. There you go. I lived well. in Sugar House, so I was exposed to a lot of different women. Of course you did. I will just say amen. Yes, there amen. You go, amen and amen to that. Well, and that thing about, you know, why can't women be beautiful and be feminist and powerful? Uh, 100% they can't. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. You know, I, I don't think most women understand that they really own us as men. <laughs> I, re- I mean, you got y'all have it, everything. You make the babies. You can you can make more money than us if you really put all your talents there, right? You can, you teach, you do everything. They're better leaders because they, they they listen to people. Well, men they, are just they autocratic. Empathy. They usually have, they have empathy. empathy. Men are just a holes. They right. just like go do this well, work I harder. I for sure do not think that. I'm married to like one of the most. Empathetic people Good. ever. Yes. I fell in love with him because he was He's so an empath, alive. humanitarian empath. Oh my oh, gosh. Oh, that's good. That's cool. Yeah. So, he is. He is. And my dad. He's a great, great oh, dad. Yeah. Oh, so, Very cool. Yeah, but I think that's the problem. So, we cannot, like, do that. Yeah, you never no. gave us a book. Like, give us, give our, oh, give our listeners a book. Oh, Frankenstein was a book. I want to talk more about her mom for a second. Oh, let's talk about your mother. Let's How did your mom influence who you are? Because... Every time I talk to her, she's a very strong but wonderful woman. Like, um, I even hate saying woman after that. She's a fun, smart, human, amazing. You can tell there's very a lot of depth to her. So she didn't like you at the beginning. Yeah, no, she didn't. She (laughs) She didn't. No, she did not. I don't believe that for one second. Because I don't think she She loves you now, whatever it was. I don't don't think she thought I had any depth. And and to her credit, though, I do use that as um, almost a shield. 
because I don't want people to know things like that. I've had to work really hard to get in with Brian. Yeah, Brian is very, uh, he's very reserved until you get to know him. That's true. But then I don't ever want to be out. No, no, you, you, yeah, you'd have to do some really (laughs) bad things to get out. Um, But she, I can see her influence on you. Tell me something that you, one of the biggest things that your mom did for all the women out there that listen, that influenced who you are as a strong human. I think the most important thing was that she taught me that life can be beautiful. That, um, you know, we used to sing a lot when we were kids and, and she would always say to me, what's your job? And I'd say, well, you know, I don't know, she'd say, it's to help other people. It was always that. It's to help other people. It's not about you. What you're doing, sharing your talents, is helping other people. And I grew up in a home where my mom and dad did everything equally. They cleaned on Saturdays inside, did yard work outside equally. My dad uh, cooked more, at least cooked. You know, my mom baked more. But um, when I was... I graduated from Weber when I was 20 and a lot of my friends were getting married and I was kind of bagging on them and um, she said, you know, Sarah, the thing is, it it maybe isn't right for you, but you don't know that it's not right for them, right? Um, But she really encouraged me to try to figure out who I was first before I got married. She got married when she was 19 and, um, you know, my dad went to graduate school and she told me at one point that she would sometimes hide his books when he got home because she wanted him to talk to her. Mm-hmm. And she was a little bit jealous that he was off learning all this stuff. And um, anyway, and so, you know, she, she doesn't have a college degree. Um, she went to college, but then had, you know, kids, three girls in three and a half years. Um, but she taught us love and she taught us the value of serving other people and, um, I just, there's so much bad in the world. I don't know if I could face it if I didn't know that there was so much good. So much good. And it was just ironic because the hoodie we gave her as a gift for being on here is called Life is Beautiful. Wow. That's ironic. Life is beautiful. Oh my goodness. We, yeah, she, Life is beautiful. Oh, Life is beautiful. Uh, so like what, what advice, there. yeah, there you go. What advice <laughs> would you, I have a question for, um, for our guest. Um, what, what, um, if you see blatant, bias, blatant prejudice as a woman against other women, what would you do as a woman? What would, what advice would you give other women? What, 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 what should they do? Well, I'm a big believer in the idea of upstanding. Tell us what that is. So, um, you know, it's really the opposite of the bystander effect. Ooh, it's fascinating. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So, um, you know, that that term was, was kind of coined by Ellie Bissell. And, you know, he talked about how if you are not actively doing something, then you side with the oppressor, right? And that people who stood by and let things happen, even though they didn't participate, you know, whatever. And so the purpose of upstanding is, is action, like we were talking about. Um, I think one of the most important things we can do is learn how to have a conversation um, respectfully. We live in a world that is so polarized and it's like, you know, well, well, this is what I know. I don't care what you know. This is is about me. And so, you know, I mean, women in Utah make 70 or 70 cents to the dollar. Yeah, it's a big bias. 
right? Yeah, and I absolutely. know that I worked as hard, if not harder, at my job than, than my male peers, counterparts, yeah. right? Yeah. And so it's a conversation. Like, we've got to keep having the conversation. Yeah. And it can't be a, a, a mean-spirited, ugly conversation. No, it has to be with respect. This is it's it so fascinating. Be, it has to be educational, though. Yeah, it's so fascinating she says this because the reason and I, a reason Brian and I started Life Karma we started it off with life isn't fair and, and we had all these provocative shirts and all these different shirts that made you think because it's all about the conversation. Having a respectful conversation about interesting, fascinating, and maybe hard things, but have the conversation. Don't don't be sitting, you know, in your bigoted, biased, judgmental seat without looking at someone's else someone else's perspective. You, heaven forbid you learn somebody, learn something from someone who thinks differently than you. So our whole, our life karma brand, everything that we do, everything that we create is all about having a conversation. We like to, every sh shirt we create, we do it with a purpose to start a conversation. It has meaning. It's something that's important, right? And it's part of the brands that we create. It's pretty cool. Actually. I love it. It's I, part of the solution, hopefully. Just I love it yeah. from the very beginning she did good and man. how lucky that like my son gets to be oh yeah he wears life karma gear we sponsor a soccer team right we yeah, um, i mean yep. it's so cool yeah. yeah it's very cool and you know and your website you know the life karma where it talks about you know having a conversation yeah and, um, like i i think it is yeah. so cool and i feel so honored yeah. wow. so don't here, feel honored. here's so i'm gonna sad. give i'm gonna give our listeners a key wonderful thing hmm. it's a key key component and then i want to talk about and then we'll close no well yeah and i'm gonna give my suggestion for a netflix show that I saw. okay cool that okay, amazing. So, yeah, okay. Amazing. so here's the key th to me the key the key paradigm that we need to have to have a respectful conversation about differences is to be fascinated by the by the person so like let's say you're an astrologer like a, a, a you know astrologer Right? Is that the right word? I'm, yes, that yeah. would be astrology. Astrologer, right? Or, and you're studying the stars. You study the stars, right? And in all your research, one day you find a new star, a new solar system. You're like, oh, that's totally cool. And like you're fascinated by it. And you like take pictures of it and you, you tell everybody about it. And you're like, oh, it's, we've noticed this and it's here. And it's this, it's all this. And, and, and you, you're like, why don't we treat people like they're a new solar system, like they're a discovery? Well, you know what? You know, that fascinates me that you have that perspective. Yeah. Tell me more. Help me understand. I'm, you know, and, and when you're fascinated by somebody, you're not you're not putting on the judger mindset like you don't have a judger mindset. You have a learner mindset. Right. But so often we come across as judgers, judger mindsets, judger, you know, dialogue, judger this, judger that. I, that's. That's stupid, to my opinion. I, I, I you know, when we, I was at Columbia doing this executive uh, coaching practicum, they said, "Well, neither one's bad." I'm like, "Bullcrap! Judge your mindset is stupid." I like the learner mindset because there's something you can learn from anybody. The most ignorant, st stupid person, you can still learn something from them, and you can learn from brilliant, bright people. So, it's be fascinated with people, be interested, be naturally curious, and then shut your mouth and listen. Like that could help a lot. Fear, fear. Fear. Yeah, they, yeah because the differences are going to harm fear. me somehow. Like, whatever. You think differently and like, oh. It's, it's cultural fear. Yeah, but anyway. Really, research proves that mm -hmm. people only listen until they've, made, they've come up with a response in their mind. Right. Uh, they, they don't listen so they to understand. Just, they listen to respond. Right. So yeah, exactly. shut it down. Yeah, right? they sh yeah it's like bull crap. But so we're all lawyers. people really know that you really care about them, like, that's my number one thing as a professor. The, from the jump. I want students to know that, like, I'm on their team, that they are valued, 
and you know really special things happen when yeah. you can it opens the door to genuine learn. and kind yeah. it opens the door to learning yeah. yeah it gives them aha moments as a teacher you want to have everybody have aha moments moments all right what the are we two talking popes the two popes is that a netflix thing? on netflix it got nominated for a lot of oscars i watched it is it killer oh my gosh it's amazing man you need to watch it because I probably need to get Netflix to watch all these oh Netflix my gosh, shows. Sam, that would help. I like. But I don't have time for TV. But here's the thing about it: it starts out as a movie that you think, "Oh, here we go, Hollywood hating on religion again." Yeah, and it does the total opposite. Really cool. Makes by the end, you're like, "You want to be Catholic?" No, no, it's no just, did you want to be Catholic? Did you, that, that it's beautiful. Oh, like, cool. So you, anyways, that's my suggestion. Very cool. The two popes. Okay, yeah, what I do I need it. to give have a suggestion, you seen it, Sarah? I haven't seen it. Oh, yes, you would yeah. like it. I'm gonna watch we, it. We have a lot been... of dialogue, a lot of hard dialogue, a lot of hard dialogue about issues with religion, with God, yeah. with forgiveness, with sin, with things that everyone struggles with. And it's two popes talking, right? Like, I mean, what is better than hearing that about those yeah, issues? That's pretty cool. And, yeah. and and they don't agree. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but they respect one another. They another's. respect yeah. and they listen and they're trying to learn. Yeah, it's fat. It blew my mind. Well, that's very cool. Well, we're honored to have you as our oh, guest, Sarah. Sarah. That's Sarah, awesome. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much for coming. So, um, what kind of music are we gonna? Well, do we have I anything think else? With Taylor Swift, I am gonna say, yes. have you watched When They See Us yet on Netflix? When they see us? No. When they see us? Guys, what's that about? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you about it. Okay, cool. Okay. What's that? What's, what's it about? Central Part Five. Oh, I do. Which you wouldn't even say that. Right. In, no. In anyway. Yeah, I do. I, okay. Oh, when exciting. They see us. Okay, we're good. On it. Hey, thanks for You're listening, you people. Me, you beautiful yes, woman. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Oh. All righty. So we're gonna give you going out on the Swift. It's the Swift. If I were a man. Airplane. Yeah. Yeah. That's, no, she's, she's a not. very talented singer songwriter. Yeah, she is. No, Hemingway said that the first draft of anything is shit. <laughs> you know what you're so right that's why i always do like much uh, you know what the first draft of anything is shit you know why you know what i do i do <laughs> rapid prototyping for that very reason we i had an english professor in college that would say welcome class today we are going into dante's inferno into the seventh canto where the flatterers of the world burn spend eternity in a river of shit oh we would say it just gosh. like that and i'm like i love this dude man he's awesome anyway <laughs> don't spend eternity in poop and the first draft of anything is poop is shit is crappy caca shit it's shit shit you know what they say here that just bugs the living shit out of me when people say shiz that's a bunch of shiz i'm like oh really what is shiz is it like foam foam cream cream creamery or something because it doesn't sound like it's shit it sounds like shiz it's like a soft shiz thing i'm like whatever culture you hate when people say if your kids say freak it's the same thing you say that uh, no, oh, it's oh not. i've gotten busted for that before no, it is not. yeah i'm like or no that's uh no this is so this is so funny i actually this is funny this is funny i was brought in by a very high up religious leader at after i'd done a multi like a large there's like thousands of people in the audience right and in the, and I'm, I'm doing this talk this religious talk and i, I say the word fetching <laughs> I say the fetching. This, uh, this very high up ecclesiastical leader brings me up and he goes, well, some people are offended. 
But you said the word fetching because it's a replacement word for the F word. I said, well, that's fascinating because in my home, we just I just say the F word. <laughs> this fetching stuff does not even happen. I'm like, that's a load of crap. And he goes, You're I just, and it was like, word. this is what he said. He goes, well, I just thought you'd like to know. It's just some <laughs> feedback for you. And I'm like, thank you so much for sharing. I'll put that in my Yeah, whatever. Thank I'll put that so in my pipe and smoke that. it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for your fascination. So anyway, yeah. great having you here. Thanks. Sarah, thank you. Thank you for listening, you. Everyone. everyone. Have a wonderful weekend yeah. or week. Bye-bye now. When everyone believes you, what's that like? I'm so sick of running as fast as I can. Wondering if I'd get there quick or if I was a man.